You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. All right, good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. I'm Jake, one of the pastors here at Hill City. I just want to welcome you here this morning. Uh, excited to be bringing uh, the word to you today. And uh, it's, it's going to be good. This passage is powerful. And we are in the midst of this series right now uh, that is called Signs. And it is about the 2002 sci-fi thriller. Um, no, it's no. Mel Gibson. Um, but... Uh, this is a series about the seven signs that show up in the Gospel of John, these seven miracles that John is highlighting in his Gospel. And so we're going to be talking about one of those today. But before we do, let me ask you this. What do you believe in? Uh, what do you believe in here this morning? What do you put your faith in? Um, do you believe in, do you put your faith in science? Um, so, I mean, let's just say science and Christianity, they're not, uh, they, they are compatible, right? Um, some of the most brilliant scientists who have ever lived and are currently living are Christians, followers of Jesus. But is that your entire worldview, the entirety of it? Um, do you believe and put faith in your bank account, <laughs> you know, to save you? Do, you? do you put your faith in the universe? Do you put your faith in Buddha or Muhammad or Joseph Smith? Do you put your faith in yourself, your true self? Do you put your faith in Taylor Swift? I don't know. I don't know your life. Maybe you do. What do you believe in? What do you put your faith in? Uh, because we can say we believe in a lot of different things, or maybe different people, uh, but that faith is tested with a cancer diagnosis, with a bad health report, uh, with a job loss, or with an empty bank account, or with the loss of somebody that you love, or yet another anxiety attack or depressive episode, that faith that you have in this thing or this person gets tested. But it's not only your faith that gets tested, it's the object of your faith that also gets tested. The thing that you believe in, is that thing actually able to hold your life together, to save you, to give you the life that you need, that you want? Uh, take these chairs, for instance. Uh, so this is my chair, and I, uh, I have a lot of faith in this chair because I throw my whole weight into this chair every single day, and I know it's going to hold me up off the ground, right? I'm not worried about that. I have faith in this chair. It's a good chair. Now, this is Nick's chair, and I took a leg off of it, and he's not here. He doesn't know that. Um, you got to haze the new guy somehow. So um, this is his chair, and I don't sit in this chair every day, and especially now that it doesn't have a leg, I'm not going to, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in this chair, and if I was going to sit in it, I'd sit in it very delicately. I'm not going to put my full weight into this chair that isn't going to hold me up off the ground, right? So the, the faith that you have is tested, yeah, right? I have faith in this chair. But it's not only this, it's the chair itself. It's the object into which you're placing your faith. Is that, is whatever you're believing in, 
able to actually hold your life together to save you. Is science going to save your marriage? Is Buddha going to save your soul? I don't think so. Is your bank account going to give you eternal life? I know that one for sure. Uh, Is your true self going to be able to take away those anxieties that are so deeply embedded within you, that existential angst that you have? Uh, Is is the universe, is the universe going to fix your life and solve your problems and fix your relationships, or is it simply this cold, dark, infinite space that doesn't even know you exist? Like, what do you believe in? Do you have faith in that? And is it worth having faith in? Because we as humans, humans, as humanity, we need something greater. We need something greater to believe in, or maybe rather someone greater to believe in. And in the Gospel of John, and in our chapter today, the word believe is going to show up two times. And in fact, uh, it shows up in all but two chapters of John's gospel, 19 out of 21 chapters, shows up a ton of times, shows up almost a hundred times throughout this gospel. Do you think John wants us to believe? <laughs> I, think he, I think he might want us to do that. But in, in what or in who? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Open up your Bibles uh, to John 4. We're going to be starting in verse 46, and as we do, let me just kind of give you a timeline, the context for what has been going on uh, so far in the Gospel of John. So last week, uh, Josh took us to the city of Cana, where Jesus does uh, the first sign, the first miracle, which is the water to wine. And then from there, uh, Jesus and the disciples, they go south, they go down to uh, Jerusalem, uh, where things get kind of wild, honestly, things get a little wild. Jesus makes like a whip, chases out these money changers, flipping over tables. Then they go from there back up to Samaria on their way back to Galilee, and Jesus has this encounter with this woman and like prophetically tells her about her own life. She's amazed. She goes and tells the whole town, hey, come and see this person who told me all about my life, myself. Is this the Christ, the Messiah? And then this like revival breaks out in the city of Samaria. And this is what it says. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And so these Samaritans believe in Jesus, believe that he is the Savior of the world. And so Jesus stays with them for two days, and then from there he makes his way all the way back up to Cana in the area of Galilee. And so this comes full circle from where we picked up last week to today, the first sign, the first miracle in Cana, now to the second sign which also happens to be in Cana. So pick up your text with me. This is John 4, 46 through 47. And this is what it says. So he, Jesus, came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so you have this guy, the first thing we see in this story is you have this this man 
who is, has this title of basilikos in the Greek. It's this royal official, uh, somebody who works for a king or a queen. And this guy would have likely worked uh, in the courts of Herod Antipas, who was kind of like serving as a king over the whole Galilean area at this time. But this guy is not only a royal official, he's actually a father. Any fathers in the room? Just me. Good. Okay. Oh, we got some more. This guy's a father, but he's not only a father, he's the father of a son who is sick to the point of death. Sick to the point of death. Now, this father, being a royal official, probably had access to the best health care, to the best doctors of his day, to the king's doctors. But apparently this wasn't enough for him, for his son to live. And so this man, in his desperation, he turns to the miracle worker. He says, I'm going to go find the miracle worker. He's heard about this guy. He heard about the water to wine miracle. He's heard about the miracles that Jesus has been doing. And so he says, this is kind of our, our only hope. This is our last shot. This is what we need because my son is dying and there's nothing that can help him. And so this is what the man does. He decides to leave the city of Capernaum where he's at and to go to Cana. Now this is a over 20 mile stretch between the two. And it's over 1,300 feet of elevation gain just to get up to Cana where supposedly this miracle worker is. Now, can you imagine this for a moment? For those of you who are parents in the room, leaving your sick and dying child. Okay, you don't got cell phones, right? There's no cell phones in this day and time. You don't, there's no way of knowing. This is a two-day journey. He, he decides to leave his dying son in hopes of finding Jesus and hoping that when he gets back, his son isn't dead. This is a major decision that this father has to make. And so he gives his son a kiss, hug goodbye, hoping to see him again. And he travels all the way up to the city of Cana. And miraculously, he, he does find the miracle worker. He finds him and he says, will you please come with me back to Capernaum? back these 20 miles to heal my son. My son is about to die. I need you. And this is the response of Jesus. Are you ready for this? You're probably not ready for this. Here we go. This is what Jesus says. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Seems like kind of a harsh response, doesn't it? It's like, okay, Jesus, didn't you just hear this man? Like his son is about to die, and this is how you respond to him? Well, two things here. Number one is that Jesus isn't addressing the man alone. And secondly, he is addressing a deeper issue, the real issue at hand that John's gospel is all about. So the first thing is when he says you, you won't believe this is in the plural, so it's like the you all. This is the y'all. For the Southerners, for the Midwesterners out there, this is the y'all. Y'all won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And what does he mean by that? Well, what he's addressing here is the real issue at hand, which is their unbelief. 
See, the Galileans, the Jewish people of Galilee, they actually do believe in Jesus as a miracle worker and nothing more. And what they want to see from Jesus is signs. They're sign seekers, right? Hey, Jesus, do another trick, right? Do something incredible. We want to see it. Like they, they see Jesus kind of like a magician. <laughs> uh, they see Jesus as more of an entertainer rather than his true identity for who he really is. That's the Galileans. That's what he is addressing here. You won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And the reality is that this man, this father, though he's not like going to see a magic trick, right? He's not just in it for that. He's he really only sees Jesus as a miracle worker, somebody that can do something for him at this moment. But he's going to realize soon enough, Jesus is a lot more than that. And so verse 49 uh, through 50, it says, The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And so Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. So the father, he hears this statement from Jesus, and he totally just disregards it. He's like, okay, Jesus, just come with me. Sir, please come down before my child dies. Because this is a matter of life and death, isn't it? Like, this is a, this is a big deal. And what he says to Jesus is actually a command. Come down with me. But Jesus actually has a command of his own to this man. <laughs> the father says, come. And Jesus says, go. Uh, the father says, before my child dies. And he says, your son will live. There's this contrast. Now, Jesus knows that this is a matter of life and death, right? Jesus knows that. He also knows this, that the man doesn't actually fully believe in him at this point. He simply believes in him as a miracle worker. But even so, Jesus has compassion. Jesus has compassion. He has compassion on you. He has compassion on this father and his, ch and his child. And so he makes a promise. He makes a promise. He says, your son will live. Now, do you think that's what the father expected? Like, do you think the father came all this way, 20 miles uphill, to not come back with the miracle worker? To not actually bring him back, to put hands on his son and to heal him? That's probably not what he was expecting at this point. And yet, what does the text say? It says, he believed. He believed the word that Jesus spoke. So he didn't have 100% proof right in front of him that his son would live, that his son was alive. Couldn't call and be like, hey, how's it going over there in Capernaum? Is my son dying? Is he alive? What's the deal? No, he simply had to take Jesus at his word and go. Can I ask you, do you take Jesus at his word? Do you take Jesus at his word? Is a word from Jesus enough for you? Are the promises found all throughout Scripture, are those enough for you? Do you need to have that 100% proof in front of your eyes before you will believe? Can you believe without seeing? Because that's what this man does. He takes Jesus at his word, even without the 100% proof, even without seeing 
he believes and he obeys. He obeys Jesus' command to go. And he goes. And he starts walking. And that's faith. That's faith. This man starts walking. And as he does, in verse 51, it says, As he was going down, so to Capernaum, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So the man is making this 20-mile trek back down to Capernaum, and he sees these people in the path off in the distance rushing towards him. And who, is these, who are these people? They are his servants. And they're coming to tell him some news, hopefully not bad news, hopefully good news. They get to him, and they tell him the good news. Your son is recovering. So it's a miracle. Like his son, who should be dead, is now alive. His son is recovering. What Jesus said, the promise which Jesus had spoken, came true. What Jesus said came true. Now let me ask you this. Consider this for a moment. Did Jesus ever see this boy face to face? Did Jesus physically put his hands on this boy and pray for him? Did Jesus have to be present in the room in order to be able to heal this boy? No. Simply at the word of Jesus, this boy is healed. All he had to do was open his mouth and speak. That's the power. There is unimaginable power contained in just a single word from the mouth of Jesus. The author of Hebrews tells us that. It says, Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus Christ is God, and he upholds the universe by what? By the word of his power. And so Jesus, by the word of his power, spoke forth creation. Jesus, by the word of his power, power upholds and sustains the universe in your very life. Jesus, by the word of his power, healed this boy. That is all it took. And so the servants, they come and tell the father the good news, this miraculous report. But what they don't realize in this moment is there's actually another miracle. There's a miracle within this miracle. Pick up your text, verse 52. And so he asked them, the father asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And so the, the father, I mean, he's really excited about the news, right? But then he goes, wait a second. When did my son get better? Like, when did he start recovering? The seventh hour, which is 1 p.m. in the afternoon. That is when, the exact hour, when Jesus said, your son will live. Now, wouldn't it have been a miracle, like, if the father got home, and then, like, at that point, his son started to get better? Like, he sees his dying son, and then at the moment he gets home, oh, now his son is recovered. Now his son is healed. Or maybe the next day, if his son is healed. It's still a miracle, but there's a miracle within the miracle, and it's the timing that is the miracle. His son was not healed at some random point in time. His son was healed at a precise moment in time. And that timing in and of itself is 
a miracle. Is it a coincidence or is it a miracle? Your son will live. Last week, uh, Josh and I uh, were hanging out with uh, Pastor Derek Murphy from Intermountain Church Planting Association that we partner with. And he is a church planter in Utah where it is less than 2% uh, evangelical Christians. And he was telling us about this story where a few months ago where he met uh, this 15-year-old high schooler at the gym. Derek's there super early in the morning. Um, he sees this. It's basically like him and this other kid in the gym working out. And he sees this kid, and as this kid is going down to like lift weights, he does the sign of the cross. And he's like, oh, I wonder if this like, kid is Catholic or something. And then he sees next to the bench, he sees this fat Bible laying there. He's like, oh, that's interesting. And then he's like, I'm going to go talk to this kid. He, he gets closer to him, and then he sees that this kid has a shirt that says, tap me on the shoulder for prayer. He's like, wow, like this, uh, this like high schooler, what is, I got to meet this guy. So he meets him, and he's like, hey, man, like, uh, are you Catholic? And he's like, no, I just became a Christian. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, well tell me about that. And he goes, I don't, I don't know any Christians, like none of my family is Christian. I don't have a single Christian friend. He's like, but I was just on TikTok. There's this guy I follow on TikTok. <laughs> this guy I follow on TikTok. Don't say TikTok's evil, okay? Okay. Or it could be used for good. It could be used for good. <clears throat> I'm following this guy on TikTok. He's sharing the gospel. And I just like kept watching like every single one of his videos. And I just decided, like God woke me up. Like that was his line. God woke me up. And I believed the gospel that day. And Derek goes, that is like, that's a miracle, praise God. Like salvation in and of itself, that's a miracle, praise God. And he goes, so you, you must live like right around here then? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, okay. And he gets out his phone and he opens up this app and he's like, dude, I hope this isn't like awkward or weird, but I, could I get your address? And he's like, uh, I guess, sure. Types in his address, it's into this prayer walking app that he and his church have. So basically, like you, if you um, are going to be walking and praying, you just basically press start and it tracks where you walk and pray, when you walk and pray. And so he goes, okay, types in his address and he goes, there, hold on, when, when did you, like, when did this whole thing happen? A few months ago. Okay. He's looking back a few months and he goes, there have been people prayer walking by your house for the last month. Like around, around that exact time in which you gave your life to Christ on TikTok, people were prayer walking past your house saying, God, save somebody in there. God, save somebody in there. Now, isn't it a miracle in and of itself that this young man who doesn't know a single Christian came to Christ? And yet there's the miracle within the miracle. It's the timing that these people are walking past this young man's house and praying, God, would you bring salvation to this household? And God woke him up in that moment. It's the miracle. What are the odds, right? And what are the odds that Jesus would say, your son will live at 1 p.m. And that's the exact precise moment in which his son would be healed. And so after hearing that and like realizing all that has just happened, this is the response. This is our last verses. It says, and he himself believed in all his household. 
And this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And so the father's response after realizing like the miracle and then the miracle within the miracle, he realizes who Jesus is. Not simply the miracle worker. He believes. Now this is the second time the word believes shows up. What's the difference between believes in verse 50 and believes here in verse 53? That's the whole thing Jesus was talking about earlier with the Galileans. Earlier, the man believed the word that was spoken from this miracle worker, but now he believes in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. That is the difference here. That is what Jesus is getting at. That's what the whole gospel of John is getting at. This is the thesis statement of John's gospel. You ready for this? This is what he says. Now, Jesus did many other signs, many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the miracles were always meant to be a signpost. A sign pointing to Jesus' true identity. Who he really is. That he is the Christ. The son of God. And that's what this man believes right here. And in this passage, we see what is the result of believing in Jesus? It is life. And when this man believes in Jesus, his son lives, literally life. But not only that, this man and his whole household believe, which results in eternal life, something far greater. And so for those of you who have yet to receive that, who have yet to receive that eternal life, it's as simple as this. Believe in Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. And here's the good news. You don't have to try and earn um, God's favor. You don't have to be good enough for God. Sometimes people, <clears throat> sometimes people think, okay, I got to get it all together before I go to church. I got to get it all together before I can go to God wrong. Come to Jesus right now. Like with all the baggage that you got in your life, come bring it before him. Jesus is enough and he paid everything on the cross for you so that you could have this. You could have life and life eternal. He is the one who is worth believing in. He is the object of your faith that can actually hold you up off the ground that you can actually throw your whole weight into. Man, he's the one who could save your marriage. He's the one who can mend your relationships. He's the one who can bring you hope, who can heal your body. He is the one who can take that anxiety and peace that is within you and replace it, anxiety and depression in, within you and replace it with his peace. He's the one who can bring you abundant life and eternal life. That's Jesus Christ. That is the Son of God. The foundation that you have been looking for, that is Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you're ready to believe in Jesus, man, we would love to talk to you more about baptism. And I'll tell you what, on Thursday night, I kind of made a joke. It wasn't really a joke. But I said, 
hey, I got my basketball trunks in the car and the baptistry just happens to be full. If anybody wants to, let's do it. Well, nobody took me up on it. <laughs> now, during service, I'm here, me, Bradley, Garrett are here pretty late. Literally everybody leaves except two guys in their mid-20s. And he comes up to me and he goes, so were you joking? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and he's like, let's do it. So baptistry was full. And uh, went and got my basketball shorts. Uh-oh. I'm going to be honest with you. This thing has been draining for the last however long. Um, but I went and got my basketball shorts. And we baptized this guy Thursday night. Can we praise God for that? It was incredible. Like that morning, he had this like, encounter with Christ. He had this supernatural encounter with Christ, and he said, like, that's the very first moment in his entire life where he, he had this thought, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. And then he came to church that night not thinking, oh, I'm going to go get baptized. No. He came to church. The gospel was preached. The opportunity was given, and he went for it. He went into the waters of baptism, giving his life to Christ. And the same can be for you today. Like, we got towels. We got extra shirts. We're filling this thing back up as we speak. <laughs> We're doing it. Uh, if you want to, seriously, we can make it happen today. But for those of you who already believe, who've already given your lives to Jesus in the waters of baptism, for those of you who believe, John's statement to you is this, keep believing. The word believe is a verb. It's not something you do one and done. It's something you keep doing. And that, that's how this word can be translated. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep putting your faith in Jesus. Keep trusting in Him. What are the things that you've been holding on to, withholding from Christ? What are the things that you've been putting your faith in that aren't going to hold you? Keep believing in the solid rock, the foundation, the one who can actually hold you up. Keep believing. Now, here's the ironic part. Here's the ironic part about this passage, about the Galileans and us. See, many of you in this room, you already believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You've given your lives to him. But do you believe that he's the miracle worker? That's all the Galileans believed. But do you believe it? Do you believe in Jesus, the miracle worker? Here's the thing. Here's Hebrews, man. This twice in one day, okay? Here we go. Hebrews says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus is doing miracles throughout his entire ministry, Jesus is doing miracles yesterday. You think he's doing miracles today? Yes. Do you think he's doing miracles tomorrow? Oh, absolutely. Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles, signs, and wonders. That's Jesus. Let me tell you about my son. My son just turned one uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, that was him when he was first born a year ago. And this kid has had a wild first year. 
A little bit of a rough first year in terms of health. He is the happiest kid. Um, But as soon as he came out, he wasn't breathing. And they had to rush the NICU team in there. And I almost fainted, passed out, (laughs) almost puked. It was was not a good time. Um, Within moments of sending out a text to our life group, my parents, her parents, pray for our son. He's healed. He's fine. The NICU team's gone. Almost like it didn't happen. Um, My son had a super bad jaundice. Uh, almost had to be hospitalized for it, um, and God helped him through that. Uh, my son was failed three separate hearing tests, and we were told that he's either going to be deaf or be hard of hearing. And there was a month uh, where before our last hearing test, we, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, and we had so many of you praying, go back for that last uh, hearing test, perfect hearing. Not deaf, not, there he is, look at that guy, he's happy. He's not deaf, he's not hard of hearing, perfect hearing. That's a miracle. Uh, My son, he's had incredibly bad allergies uh, for almost that whole first year. We started noticing in the month three and four, uh, we didn't know it was the allergies, he just had like rashes, um, all these bumps, all this stuff. And uh, breaking out from head to toe. He was like basically one solid rash. And uh, the doctor was giving us all these ointments and creams and oils to put on him, which he hated. (laughs) He would scream his head off, bloody murder. He hated this. And he was just one solid rash. Finally, my wife is like, what if it's allergies? So she goes on this extremely strict diet. Uh, It's like Whole30, but way worse. Anything that you think that is fun to eat, just don't. That's, that's the rule for this. And uh, as soon as she starts doing that, he heals up. Like, the rashes go away. So we go, okay, then he is, he's allergic, right? Well, he's starting to get teeth and more teeth, and he is seeing his big sister eat, and he wants to eat, right? He wants to eat food. Um, and so we're like, well, uh, well I guess we'll, maybe we'll give him something safer, like a sweet potato or carrot puree or something like that. That's in the fall. Um, Nope, as soon as we do that, uh, starts having reactions. Uh, so after, in the fall, we switch him to this hypoallergenic formula. There's three on the market. He can only do one. Uh, the other two, he's like, pukes up. So he can only do one of these hypoallergenic formulas throughout the entire fall. That's the only thing that doesn't give him any type of reaction. Now, in the first week of December, uh, we got him uh, allergy tested, and it came back. Yeah, he's allergic. Uh, and he's especially allergic to peanuts, not a good one, and egg. Uh, So we were told, go get EpiPens, we go get EpiPens, all this stuff. And then uh, that first week as well of December, we went to a couple in our church, and we got prayer, healing prayer, for my son to be free from allergies. There's a before and there's an after. After that moment... He can eat whatever he wants. Started giving him little bits of this, little bits of that, stuff that's safe, whatnot. And then this is him eating peanut butter for the first time. <laughs> and he loved it. <laughs> oh, man, he, uh, he eats a lot of peanut butter. Um, he's completely free. He's healed. God healed my son. 
And it's not like, oh, what, did he get on a new medication? Did, did he grow out of it? No, one day he couldn't eat anything and the next day he could. That's a miracle. Jesus is still very much in the business of doing miracles. For he's the miracle worker. Now, as we recognize that Jesus still does miracles, we also have to acknowledge this. That there's things that some of you, and myself included, have prayed your guts out for and have not seen a miracle. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've not seen the miracle. I'm so grateful my son is healed. We prayed for that. But at the same time, we've also been praying for a year and a half for my mother to be free from cancer. But it's only grown. Where's the miracle? Some of you might be wondering that for yourself. Why don't miracles happen every time? And to be honest, I I don't think on this side of eternity, on this side of heaven, that we'll fully know those answers. There's there's things that get in the way. Maybe Maybe it's simply this, that God has other plans we don't know about. Or it might be the fact that there is real spiritual opposition in this world. That Satan is roaming around like a lion seeking to kill, steal, destroy. Or it might simply be that we live in a fallen, sinful world where sin, death, decay, and disease are unfortunately part of this world. But what we do know is this. We do know that Jesus is in control. We do know that he's upholding the universe by the word of his power. We do know that he's with us in the midst of our suffering. And in fact, he's suffered worse than any of us in this room. We do know that we serve a God who takes what was meant for evil and uses it for good. We do know that we serve a God who miraculously works all things together for our good. And we do know that Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, he is going to renew and remake this whole thing, this whole earth, this whole universe. And he is going to completely eradicate all sin, death, decay, disease from our world. And when you see Jesus face to face, everything's going to be all right. He's going to make all things new. Are you ready for that? For those of you who believe, who believe in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, can I share with you the picture of eternity that the author of John's gospel also shows us in the book of Revelation. This is eternity. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. From I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, with people. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That's the best part about eternity right there. And do you want to know what God is going to do for you? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's your future. That's eternal life. That's what's coming for those who believe in Jesus. Believe in him. Let's stand together. Let's sing to Jesus. Let's sing to the miracle worker. Let's cry out for a miracle today. And like I said, I'm not kidding. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to get baptized today, come talk to me. Let's do it. Let's worship. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.